0: Hello and welcome to episode 127 of Travel Stories from the Back Again and Gone podcast. Believe it or not, being recorded in the beautiful Doubletree Hilton, Fooler, Georgia. This week it's part two of So You Want to Be a Road Warrior? Thanks for listening. Hello. If you are a new listener, welcome. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. And before we get to part two of how you want to be a road warrior, it's time for a quick spin around the interwebs. Starting off with a bit of sad news. The headline to this story was to have been Dustin Diamond. And if you're not familiar with Dustin Diamond, he was Screech in the TV show Saved by the Bell. Dustin Diamond struggling with cause of his cancer moldy hotel rooms to blame question mark question mark question mark from TMZ. And it went on to say that his rep believes that uh, Dustin's stage four small cell carcinoma was due to the moldy hotel rooms that Dustin stayed in. He's never been a smoker. And that's typically what that type of cancer is associated with. Unfortunately, Dustin passed away last Monday after a very short battle And you know what? Cancer seems to hit everyone at some point in their life. For me, about 11 years ago, I was accompanying the CEO to her dermatologist appointment as a follow-up to her skin cancer. Side note, if you live in Florida, a good dermatologist is as important, if not more important, than having a good mechanic. So as the dermo is giving her the once over, he looks over at me and says something along the lines of, well, at least you don't have any through in some dermatologist medical term like he does pointed at me. And so, of course, I replied with, well, if I'm getting dragged into this, I need a once over as well for free. And he did. He looked me over. And of course, as most dermatologists do, they ended up scraping or finding something and cut it off me send it off to the lab. A few days later, they call me back into the office and I have left arm melanoma stage three. No idea, didn't feel a thing, wouldn't have ever known had I not gone into the room with my wife. Two weeks later, I'm in the hospital getting this stuff cut out of my arm. And at the time they injected me with some nuclear medicine and found that it had spread to a lymph node, pulled the lymph node as well. So several hours later, I wake up after some of the best sleep of my life. I look down and my arm has about 10 pounds of bandages on it. And with most hospital policies, you have to go to the bathroom before they give you your get out of jail free card. So while I'm in the bathroom, I look down and my thighs are shaved, pasty white and shiny. Eight hours earlier when I got there, I had hairy thighs. At that moment, not so much go back to my bed the doc arrives to give me my release he asked if I have any questions I said yeah why the shaved thighs his response was well due to all of your weight training we didn't think we'd get your arms sewed back up so we were close to doing a skin graft off your thigh I said makes sense but why did you shave both of them and his response so they'd match This next one comes to us from CNN, and I really don't understand this, but U.S. airport screeners confiscated guns at a record rate in 2020. The article went on to say that U.S. checkpoints are finding guns at more than twice the rate of what they did in 2019. They said they found about 10 firearms per million passengers in 2020 compared to 5 per million passengers in 2019, The agency said that it found 3,257 guns in total last year. And what's crazy is the rate of guns found has grown as the number of people being screened at checkpoints has dropped. I mean, currently, PSA traffic is less than 40% of what it was the year before, yet, Screeners found and stopped passengers with firearms at 234 airports in 2020. Of those firearms found, 83% were loaded. So here's my question. What good is an unloaded gun? And I've never understood how people actually forget that they have a gun on them when they go to the airport. Isn't carrying a CCW? Isn't the whole thought behind that is for protection? Are you going to remember that if you're in some kind of trouble situation that you have a gun when you go to the airport to get on a flight where guns are specifically banned and you don't remember that? That's a question for the ages. From the There's Still Time department, since Valentine's Day is Sunday, February 14th, hotel.com gives us a contest to put your ex where they belong on Valentine's Day. Is Valentine's Day giving you flashbacks to a former flame who did you wrong? Calling all travelers with emotional baggage, Hotel.com wants to help you reserve your ex a stay where they belong in a dumpster. Figuratively, of course, and for you, a stay where you belong, we're envisioning a penthouse suite. The how to this is enter your name and email address and tell Hotels.com why your ex deserves a night in the dumpster, plus a detailed description of your Valentine dream hotel stay. 15 lucky winners will snag a sweet reward, a $300 Hotel.com gift card. That's going to be an awfully small penthouse for $300. And Hotel.com has your email address. Ah, Way too much work for me for just a $300 gift card. On to tonight's topic, So You Want to Be a Road Warrior Part 2 In Part 1 We Covered. Creating a new email account specifically for travel, joining every airline except for Spirit, hotel and rental car membership company you can find. There's an app for that. Talked about loading Tripit, Waze, and Yelp, finding your airport of choice that's in your territory. Talked about airline loyalty, hotel loyalty, and rental car loyalty, and how those can parlay themselves into additional points and better status. This week, we're covering building your travel knowledge base, how to book your travel, and finishing up with credit cards. So building your travel knowledge base, and this can be any kind of travel-related information. It could be where to stay, what hotels have the best manager's reception. On the reverse of that, where not to stay, what hotels don't have a manager's reception, where to visit and when. If you're coming to Florida during season, it's going to be expensive what airlines to fly, where to eat, what kind of travel promos to take advantage of, extra points, free nights. Plus, you can build a very hearty meme portfolio of travel memes really, really fast. So how do you build this travel knowledge base? Well, there's a bunch of different ways. First, word of mouth, talk and listen to other fellow travelers, coworkers, and even those family members that travel once a year specifically listen to those family members that travel once a year take their advice and do the complete opposite pre-covid if you're traveling alone in tallahassee and decide to eat dinner at ted's montana grill more than likely you'll be seated at the bar if they offer you a table ask for the bar more than likely anyone else at the bar is also a road warrior or traveling alone say hello how are you doing nothing too creepy Most times this will lead into a conversation. If they are a road warrior, this will normally lead down the path of planes, trains, and automobiles, places they've been, and stuff they've seen. This actually unfolded for me last night in the hotel. Went downstairs to order a Western bacon burger to take back to the room, sat at the bar, had an enjoyable bourbon and ginger ale. The guy sitting next to me, also a fellow traveler, and we started talking about what most of us do, travel. If you want to see how this plays out, get on YouTube. And I often reference the movie Up in the Air. Search for it. Cheap is our starting point. It's a probably a two-minute clip. It's where George Clooney and his lady of choice are two veteran road, road warriors and they compare travel perks and travel reward programs. Again, an exchange of knowledge. Even if somebody comes up to you and you're sitting at the bar and they say, hello, how are you doing? This is your chance to pay it forward a bit with some of your travel knowledge. Either way, always sit at the bar, especially if this is a place you routinely eat at while traveling, people will get to know you and remember you. The same goes for the hotel staff. I work with several people who have mastered, I mean mastered the art of hotel staff conversation, Normally it starts with them greeting that staff member by their name. And are they psychic? And no, they take two seconds to read that person's name tag and start the conversation with that last week, I told you about how over the course of five months, we spent weekends in South Florida. When my father-in-law gets got sick, we spent every Friday and Saturday night down there at a Hampton Inn. It's a Hampton Inn that I use monthly for travel. Every weekend, I was able to get a room, even during the season when the Hilton app showed no vacancy. I would call the hotel directly. The whole staff knew me by name. I knew them as well. By the fourth week of checking in late Friday night, there was a tray of snacks and several Diet Cokes waiting for us in our upgraded room. So how else do you build this travel knowledge base or this knowledge base? Well, the web, right? Go to Google, type in travel websites, you'll get 6.8 billion results. Refine that search a little bit, travel related websites, you've cut that down to 968 million results. I am not a time management expert, but searching all of those sites is going to take a lot of time but those sites do have great information as well as deals. So how do you muddle your way through all of that? Even if you pick just 50 of those sites and bookmark them, you'd still spend the better part of your day visiting those sites, looking to see if anything of interest has been posted since your last visit. Again, not a time management expert, but that seems like a whole bunch of right-click and open a new tab. One thing you can do is something using Google called Google Alerts, If you go to google.com slash alerts, you can enter a search term or a phrase. So as typical Google does, it supports all of their quotes and phrases and Boolean searches. You can even do the at symbol. So if you wanted to uh, search a social media site, you could put at Twitter and travel deals and it would bring back all of the travel deals posted on Twitter. So once you hone in on a couple keywords or phrases, you can actually now create the alert. How often do you want it sent to you as it happens real time, daily, weekly? What sources do you want it to look at for that term? It could be blogs, news, books, et cetera. You can even do it regionally. And then you finally have it sent to that email account that you created in part one. But I can tell you for a fact that 5 or 6 of these Google Alerts can easily fill up that email inbox. There's another way to harvest all that information. It, It is really, really simple. It is RSS. If you have no idea what RSS means or does, it stands for Really Simple Syndication. And that's how I follow about 150 websites without going to 150 websites multiple times each day. So every time i launch my rss reader it brings in any new content or updates from all of those sites since my last visit i have mine to display just the headline of the post so i see things such as the worst five business class meals in the sky or seven reasons to get tsa pre-checked right now even during a pandemic if the headline catches my attention I can click on the article. Typically, I'll uh, save it for later or save it to pocket to read later. Part of my morning routine is to scan the headlines and decide what I want to read. It takes me less than 10 minutes to go through about 150 websites. At the end of the day, I usually take a look at what I saved and see if there's any real value in it. And I monitor all sorts of sites, travel sites, TMZ, watch sites, food sites, Lifehacker, Boing Boing. Almost every current website supports RSS and there's no shortage of RSS readers. I use Feedly for a couple reasons. It's free and I can classify my feeds into different folders such as travel and blogs. They also offer a mobile app, but you can check out, there's news blur, there's no reader, there's blog loving, just type in RSS readers into Google and you'll come back with a whole bunch when it comes to travel The top five sites that I follow is Million Mile Secrets, one mile at a time. They put up about 235 articles or posts per month. Peter Greenberg, Travel Detective, uh, The Gate, probably the winner of all those is the points guy with about 313 articles per month. And these sites will let you know if there's a springtime double-point promotion, if they're offering a ramp-up program so you can level up your status. It's their job, that's what these websites do. If I had to pick one site to follow, I would go with the points guy. They've got a staff of about a hundred and they throw up just about 10 posts each day covering everything travel related that you can think of. If you're a baby road warrior and still have your road warrior training wheels, the points guy has all kinds of selections that you can deep dive into best credit card for travel, for points, for cashback, hotels, cruises, and they have a whole beginner section as well. Much more detail and accuracy than I could ever provide. Here's the bottom line on those sites. The credit card offers that appear on most of those websites are from credit card companies from which those websites receive compensation. So be aware. Finally, you can fill your travel knowledge base with podcasts. Check out Travel Commons with Mark Peacock or Travel Wins with Pete. Both are packed with stories and tips. I've been a longtime listener of both of their sites. So there's even, that's another venue as well for building that knowledge base. Next up, how to book travel for most. The first inclination is online using, insert Expedia, Travelocity, or any other website that spent advertising dollars in order to get your attention. See, it worked and here are those sites value add first it can be cheaper well it can but how well they buy hotel rooms in bulk from chains as well as standalone hotels they get really 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 good prices because the hotel wants guaranteed income for those rooms and in turn they can pass this part of that savings on to you some of it all of it or none sort of like a debt collector buying out old debt from a credit card company second They touted that you can bundle your flight, hotel, and rental car all into the same invoice. Why would you ever want to do that? And then the third, the availability of last-minute deals. For some people, and the word people is code for no kids or pets, this is the greatest thing ever. Here at Chateau Relaxo, there are five of us plus two dogs We're not going anywhere last minute. Besides, after 2020, there's not many of us dripping in cash where we can decide on Wednesday that we want to punch out on Friday night. And I honestly don't know any road warrior that books their travel through any of these booking sites. The reason, there is too much that can go wrong. And as I'm known to say multiple times a day, what could possibly go wrong? Well, with these sites, a bunch. First thing that can go wrong is a biggie. You show up at the airport, hotel, or rental lot, and there's no record of your reservation. But wait, you have a confirmation number. It's here on your phone, and you do have a confirmation. It's from the website you made the reservation through, not the airline, the hotel, or the actual rental car company. Just remember, your website of choice bought and paid for a block of something before they sold it to you. Now, you might get some help from the airline or the hotel or the rental company, but the chances are they're just going to refer you back to whomever you purchased it through. Not fun if you're pulling this off at 11 p.m. at night, especially if you have a family in tow. But have no fear. I guarantee you that those booking sites offer stellar customer service. I promise. And with some of those sites, you might get reduced or zero points for your stay, and finally, your chances of an upgrade are greatly reduced because remember, that site bought a block of whatever. Another way using a travel agency, I use one to this day, wouldn't be my preference, but our company wants us to do it. It's web based, pretty easy to navigate, and plus it allows me to use my own payment method. So I get to keep all my credit card points. When I first started traveling, We used to call the travel agency on an actual phone, told them where we wanted to go and the dates. They'd call us back with a couple different itinerary choices, and then we decided what worked best. They knew our airlines, our hotels, and our rental car choices, and they had all of our membership numbers, so we got points. Now, here the best part was when your flight got canceled, all you had to do was call them up, and within minutes, they'd have you rebooked. may not be on the same airline, but it would at least have you rebooked. You didn't have to wait in line or get placed on hold when you dialed in direct. The other great thing was that they would actually carry over a paper airline ticket to us so that we didn't have to wait in line at the airport. This was the early 2000s, there wasn't a smartphone in sight. And if you weren't checking luggage, it allowed you to bypass that front counter and go right to the gate. If you're not required to use some sort of a booking agency through your company, what is the best way? one simple word direct most road warriors want to be in control and i'm willing to bet that most book their own travel and they book it directly to the airline hotel or rental company for hotels booking that way lets me decide do i want a king bed or or two queen beds i can make sure that i don't have a mobility equipped room from somebody that might need it you know little things like that make a big difference Now, here's something I've heard over the years. When it comes to booking travel, there's a simple little thing that you can do to trick the system and get a cheaper ticket, and that's by clearing your cookies. It's something called dynamic pricing, and it doesn't mean just refreshing your browser a million times a minute will get you a cheaper flight. In fact, it may make the price go up as it changes based on demand. So if you're continually refreshing your webpage, they see the demand going up as airlines and travel websites will use your search history against you. I've never done it, not sure if it works, but I'm thinking it could work against you as well by showing you higher prices since they have no indication that you've ever visited that site before. One thing that I don't do is to check into a hotel early using their app. This sounds convenient, right? Because I can check in early, I've got an electronic key, I can avoid the whole front desk scenario completely, So two things happen. First, no chance of an upgrade. And we got upgraded a couple weeks ago at Disney Springs, walked up to the front desk, made small talk. Next thing you know, they had upgraded us to a suite. And second, the hotel staff doesn't get to know you. And that's what you want. You want them to know you. You want to know them so that it pays off in the long run. Next on the playlist is credit cards. The last section and possibly the shortest When it comes to credit cards, I have a few rules. I've narrowed it down to two. Probably by the end of this, there'll be another one. But first rule, I don't purchase anything with a credit card if I don't receive any points and if I can't pay the bill at the end of the month. The no points thing, by now this should make sense. Points are the goal. The other one is 99.99% of the time, and we've talked about this before, is the interest rates on these cards is far greater at any points you'll be receiving in return, the credit card company is rolling the dice that you will carry a balance month to month like over 40% of all households do. The second, don't use your debit card for travel. First, no points, and I know some debit cards do give you points, but not at the rate that a credit card will. Plus, with a debit card, it's tough to protest an erroneous charge since it's already been deducted from your account. The second reason to not use a debit card for travel, and this is usually a lesson learned when you're in your early 20s and not even a road warrior. Hotels and rental companies will normally put a hold on your checking account for the cost of the room or rental. So you can't use that money to travel with if you check in on a Wednesday and you know you're gonna get paid on a Friday, but they they clamp down or put a hold on your account for a few hundred bucks. It's money you can't use to enjoy yourself. And hopefully, they do it just for the cost of the rental or the room. But occasionally, they will put Wi Fi charges, incidental charges, and taxes. So, if that's not enough, it still gets better. Those holds can remain on your account for several days and even up to a week or two after you check out, after you've paid your bill in full. Here's my travel credit card strategy. Get two cards, one for the airlines and one for the hotels, preferably the airline and hotel that you chose to be brand loyal with in part one. All of your flights go on the airline branded card because most of the times you will at least get double points. And the same goes for the hotel branded card. I've talked about it multiple times. My Hilton card gives me 12 points for every dollar that I spend last night. I went down and had the wonderful Hilton Weston Garden bacon cheeseburger delight, used my Hilton card instead of my debit card, and in turn got 12 points for the transaction. When I first started business travel, I used my American Express card. I'm not sure what color it was, but every week I was staying at a Holiday Inn one week, a La Quinta the next. I really was just bouncing around between hotels. A few years into my career, I ended up meeting and traveling with Chris Brown. He saw how I was traveling and laughed and laughed a lot. He was a Marriott guy. And since I had no brand loyalty, he decided that I would become a Marriott guy as well, told me to apply for their credit card. A year later, I had accumulated a bunch of Marriott points. And I was, I think, at least Marriott gold at that time. And I went along this way for a number of years. I swapped out my Marriott card for a Hilton card. I don't really remember why, but kept the American Express card, and this worked for a number of years. The Hilton card was for business travel, and the American Express card was for everything else around the house. During this time, we went through the Dave Ramsey program and paid off a bunch of debt. The American Express card was, of course, anti-Ramsey, but since it had to be paid off at the end of each month, I made the executive decision to make an exception and kept that card. I didn't pick up an airline credit card until we relocated to Orlando about five years ago. The kids were older, had their own lives, really didn't want to travel with us. Looking back, I wish I had picked up an airline credit card about 15 years before that. If your travel situation has you flying different airlines, I'd consider going with the American Express Platinum card, a very steep $550 annual fee. But it gives you five times points on flights, regardless of the airline. Automatic gold status with, I think, Marriott and Hilton, and then plus access to their platinum travel service. And they have a ton of other benefits that well outweigh the $550 fee. Plus, you earn 75,000 membership reward points after you use the card to buy five grand worth of stuff in the first three months. According to the Points Guy website, couple other choices that are good is the Capital One card or the Chase Sapphire Preferred card. Both of these have right around a $95 a year annual fee. My third credit card rule, and I told you there'd be more, is don't overlook credit card point bonuses for first-time users. So my Chase card I just saw the other day, if you're a first-time card holder, first time getting the Chase uh, Southwest card, you can get up to 80,000 points. For hitting a specific dollar threshold in the first nine months of owning that card. That's well over halfway to hitting your companion pass status. So, the bottom line with credit cards is to make them work for you and pay the balance off each month. So, that's the end of part two. We talked about building that travel knowledge base, how to book travel, finish it up with credit cards. Don't do anything stupid with your credit cards. If you can't pay the bill, Don't buy the product. I hope everybody got a little bit of something out of this. If you have a question or comment, you can leave me a voicemail at anchor.com or an email at travelfrickgmail.com. That's travelfrick at gmail.com. Thankfully, I got to travel this week. I hope that you travel safe, stay safe, and thanks for listening. Hey, wait a second. Don't go. Make sure you check out all the blogs over at HypeAmerica.com. From food to travel to just general life humor, we cover all the topics. Thanks again.